advisory to those who are not animal lovers, open to new ideas, or interested in integrative holistic healthcare for your pets, and believe that prescription diet is the best food for your pet. This podcast may offend your sensibilities. Have you ever felt frustrated and helpless after listening and doing everything your vet told you to do but it only made your sick pet worse and not get any better? Vets me in 2008 with my first adopted cat, Meow. I did everything the vet told me to do and I realised she wasn't getting any better and only worse. So I decided to look into alternative health options and was drawn to the stories of holistic pet service entrepreneurs and their transformative journey, overcoming obstacles, chasing their passion and creating a movement that has caused a ripple effect of positive change in the lives of their clients and pets around the world. Join me as I share the raw, inspiring journeys of these amazing entrepreneurs, their successes and failures. My name is Amrys Wang, and this is The Raw Entrepreneur. Welcome to The Raw Entrepreneur's Season 1 Launch Series, Episode 1. What is a holistic pet service entrepreneur? They come from all walks of life and do different things that help our companion pets heal, not just physically, but also emotionally and spiritually. Not just survive, but thrive. And in the process, may also improve the quality of your life as well. This episode is dedicated to all the pet parents out there who are struggling with their pet baby's health issues but are refusing to give up even when conventional vets have. Peter Ciancarelli is a super dad who didn't give up and is doing all that he can to share his knowledge with other pet parents in need. This is Peter's origin story and his journey as a pet health and longevity coach. Hello everyone and welcome to The Raw Entrepreneur. My name is Amrys Wang and today my first interview is with Peter Ciancarelli who is a pet health and longevity coach from Menfield, Massachusetts. He's the founder of the popular Facebook group Ellie's Canine Cancer Crew, a consultant for California-based Whole Molecule, CBD and THC Cannabis Oil Collective King Harvest and is also a special education teacher working with children and young adults with autism for almost a decade. It was his experiences and setbacks with his dog, Ali, that ignited a years-long search for answers, options, and alternatives outside of the conventional information he trusted that led to Ali's health struggles and deterioration. He's since helped her rebound on a remarkable level and is on a mission to educate and inspire others on what they can do to help their beloved pets live their best life possible. Hi, Peter. Thank you for joining me today. Hi. Thank you so much. Wow. You, I'm, so, I'm, so, I'm going to say it again. You, I'm really surprised you got my last name right. Awesome. <laughs> I practiced. <laughs> um, would you like to share with everyone a little bit about your background? Um, you know, how, how you came about? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, everything you just said, I I mean, I am a special ed teacher, have been for almost a decade working with kids with severe special needs, like severe autism, the whole whole spectrum, um, you know, worked in residential group homes and all that. And so that is my main job. And it's one of my one of my passions in life is helping people with special needs and teaching them life skills and how to be independent in life. And then also my other, my other, you know, 
the love of my life is this one right here. Oh. Yeah. Like, hey, Ellie. Oh, she's gorgeous. <laughs> and thank you. My step. So my stepdad, Carrie, uh, from who is from Canada, he, he he came here to the states to live with my to marry my mom, and and um, that's a whole other story. But um, you know, he brought his dog Buster with him, and Buster was a little shit zoo terrier mix. He's such a he was. You know, I had a I had a golden retriever, Mindy, growing up. Lived to be fifteen years old. I don't really remember her at all, aside from a couple pictures we had. So when Carrie, my stepfather, brought Buster <clears throat> with him to to live with us, that was really my first experience caring for another dog. Although I didn't have any say in what Buster ate, or really didn't walk him, he just he was an inside dog. He went from getting like free roam <clears throat> where where they were from in Canada and lots of land to now like being mostly like an inside dog and getting to go outside in the backyard. Um, and Carrie would obviously take him to work everywhere. He was, he always went with Carrie everywhere, always off leash too. He was just a very, one of those rare dogs. And then about a year, about a year after that, uh, they, he adopted Allie. And I remember when he showed me Allie on the screen on pet finder and the rescue to adopt her. Um, I thought she was like an ugly looking pup. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I'm no, I'm one of those people that just I, I like I don't really like change too much I like things to kind of stay the same so that was just kind of my way of being like no I'm happy with how things are now and she came she came anyway and she was a handful and I had never raised a puppy uh, and really never had any experience other than that year with Buster and I mm -hmm. fell in love with Buster so I was you know my heart was kind of already full but I and he invited Allie in and you know I we just connected and um, she's a very anxious puppy and had a lot of fear and anxiety and insecurity. And she was spayed at eight weeks old. Wow. Um, so it was yeah. really young. And by the rescue, of course, not by us. And even if, even if we had made the choice to spay her at eight weeks old, we never would have known that that wasn't the right thing to do, right? No, so rescues, uh, a lot of rescues, God bless them, want you to uh, spay you know, do things their way, you know, they yes. want you to uh, go to this vet or, or do this, this kind of training, or you, you know what I mean? So in it, there's all, there's reasons behind that, but, you know, Allie kind of had a rough start to her life. And, you know, we had a lot, we had a, we had a lot on her plate between her behavior and uh, which had a lot to do with her health and also her medical bills in the years, in the years after that, you know, we spent all, a lot of time at the vet for, upset stomach and GI problems and diarrhea and all that and really no appetite. Allie didn't really have much of a, talking about you, <laughs> she didn't really have much of a, much like zest for life. She was very much like, a, okay, like a, just a really like, uh, not lethargic, but just really blah, you know? And, low energy. Uh, yeah, she, yeah, low energy, but really she, she, she's not like that now. So, she would like go take a, you know, I, I went to the grocery store and I got her kibbles and bits and, you know, it was really, really cheap, but I went by all the big, beautiful colors and the pictures on the bag and it was cheap. And I was like, this looks, this looks good. And I bought, I got some wet food to put on top of it and she would take a couple bites here and there and then she'd walk away and she'd go lie down. Um, and she'd very rarely like, if at all ever enjoyed her food. 
And I just thought that's what you feed a dog. This is dog food. This is what you feed a dog. You see the commercials on TV. Uh, that came later, like Blue Buffalo. Years later, I got more interest in like her health, um, especially as our connection grew deeper and she got sicker and sicker. You know, she was my, she is my best friend. You know, I didn't have a lot of friends growing up in high school and in college. And so, you know, she was like, she was just there. For, she's been with me through my t- entire 20s and through all these different transitions and these changes in my life. She was always been the constant. She's lived with me. Uh, she's gone with me everywhere. Anywhere I went, she'd go with me. Even if it's just down the street to the, to the gas station or the grocery store, she's coming with me as long as, you know, she's allowed to, uh, you know, weather and whatnot permitting. But, you know, it got worse. She got sicker and sicker. The conventional vet that I was seeing at the time in my town didn't know what to do anymore. Uh, he ran out of his tools. His tools were antibiotics and, you know, a drug for, you know, diarrhea and um, nausea and appetite stimulants. Um, made sure I got my annual vaccines, my topical heartworm, my heart flea and tick and my heartworm chewable. And, um, and uh, you know, eventually it got to, well, now you need, we recommend you feed this prescription diet, uh, which like looked and, you know, I even try, I even tried it, but don't tell anyone that. Uh, <laughs> literally it looks and tastes like cardboard. Oh. She didn't want, she didn't want nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that around that time, like, then they referred me to Tufts Veterinary School, which was like the big guns, like the big hospital, right? right. In New England, Coming School of Veterinary Medicine. And I saw the nutrition, the nutrition clinic and there's three, three women there. And um, we sat down in the room together and we, we went over Allie's hist- medical history and they gave me a list of uh, limited ingredient dry dog foods and some wet foods as well. And then a list of like human you know, fruits and veggies, treats that she got she to have. And the goal was just to get her poop solid. It wasn't about her gut microbiome or species-appropriate diet. It was just, you know, here are the dry foods we recommend. Feed her this and figure out which one. You might want to add some fiber to it, like psyllium husk to bulk up her stool. And we did that. We, we managed to do that. But I still, like, something wasn't right to me. During that time, I was like my head was spinning every day I'd come home from school or class or college. And I would just get on my computer, my laptop and do hours and hours and hours of research and fall asleep with the laptop on my chest and Allie laying next to me, just researching day in and day out, you know, what's wrong with her, you know, and one thing would lead to another, like the food. Eventually I would learn about the, the flea and tick stuff. And then I'd learn about the heartworm stuff. And then I'd learn about the water and, you know, vaccinations and everything and you know it was just so overwhelming because i i hadn't had a grasp of any of it yet and so i would be bringing these questions to that vet and saying hey i i I saw this or i i learned about this what do you think and is this true and what and he would tell me tufts told me don't go down the rabbit hole of looking for something for doing better for your dog you know she's doing well on this food don't change it she's doing good this is all she needs to be on for the rest of her life um, stay away from raw food. You're gonna, you can kill your dog with the pathogenic bacteria, um, you know, and, and just really, you know, if you, if you do feed her raw, they said, make sure she doesn't interact with little kids or your elderly and you sanitize with bleach and everything and just like sp- spray your house down, like wear hazmat suits, basically. 
Yeah, a lot of bullshit. <laughs> yeah, a lot, a lot of bullshit. And so um, I did what I wanted to anyway. I followed my gut, my instinct, and um, which is one of the things that she's taught me about is following your, listening to your gut instinct, you know, because it's about energy too. Dogs are magnificent creatures. And Allie got better. She actually, she's 11 now, and she healed from her severe gastroenteritis. Although, excuse me, when you, excuse me, when you give an antibiotic, um, it destroys the, all, everything in the gut, the good and the bad. And you're never going to get that back. You know, there's going to be certain colonies that never resurface of bacteria or species of, of, of probiotic or bacteria, microbes are never going to come back. So the damage has been done. And it can take a year or longer to, to even like restore the gut microbiome. Um, and so, you know, we did the usual probiotics and things like that. And I thought I, that was good too. But as I've been going along this journey, I've realized that it's, you know, it's more complex than that. Like, you know, the gut microbiome has, like, can have 500 species and a thousand subspecies that my vet, Dr. Romans, Margot Roman says, and she pioneered the fecal transplant for dogs and cats. So dogs with severe gut issues have been over-vaccinated, like basically Allie, you know, you, she gives them, the sick dogs, her, her dog's poop rectally via catheter and syringe and, and um, some, some saline and makes it into a slurry and then injects it into the dog's bum and gives her, the dog, a new biome. And you can see detox and things like that. And, and just, it's just amazing. I, Allie's poops are pretty much perfect for the most part. We still struggle with a little bit of diarrhea here and there, but that's because mainly I feed her a raw keto diet and I do like a press pulse keto where I'm doing three to four days of like um, a raw keto diet and then I'll feed her a couple days of like high protein just to keep, keep weight and muscle mass on her. Mm -hmm. And then one, one day a week I might fast her and give her a raw marrow bone, a fatty marrow bone, and that's pretty much it. She has some diarrhea here and there from the fat, um, but aside from that, she's in like amazing health. Uh, I mean, she's dealing with some serious metabolic uh, hormone imbalances, but we're managing it really well. Um, thanks to Dr. Becker and, and my fat Dr. Roman and, and, you know, Julianne Lee, she's amazing too. She's helped me. Um, but it's just been an amazing journey because, you know, she had, she had cancer at five years old or six years old. I can't remember exactly when, yeah. But a little lump popped up on her on her mammary area, and I had it removed two days later. And thankfully, because we they, the vet poked it, and that can be a disaster. It can actually get pissed off if you poke it, uh, and if you poke anything, you should be prepared to remove it if it's if it's cancer like immediately. Um, and thankfully, it didn't get bigger. And I've known I've seen tumors go from a, a size of a pea to like a uh, your fist, wow, in overnight. So. They removed it. They got clean margins. And I spent the next five or six years working on our gut health and our immune system and building her up. And uh, I'm just thankful that we, we made it, you know, and now we can, I can use everything I've learned to, to help other people. Thank you for listening to part one of Peter's story. Look out for part two of Peter's interview after our launch series. Wow, I'm so thankful and grateful that you took the time to listen to this podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could subscribe, download, rate, review, and share this with others whom you care about that may enjoy it as well. Thank you, and remember to be kind to yourself and others. Have a awesome day, everyone.